Hello everybody, welcome to Nintendo Power Black here on Bosch Brush Games. I'm your host Eddie V, the enlightened excited one. Joining me, got a good full house for you guys, making his return. The Galloping Galatrad himself, Mr. Jacob Taylor. What's going on everybody? Yes! Of course, it's the one, the only, my editor-in-chief, the devastating dungeoneer himself, Mr. David Lasky. Hey everybody, happy uh, week of E3. Woo! Yes, of course. You know I always gotta give props and lift this one up because he is my bro him, bossman himself. Of course, everybody. Stand in ovation for the one, the only, Mr. Corey Derrick. I don't know if I would go that far, but you know, I'm... <laughs> yeah. Hi guys, it's good to be here. It's good to see everybody's faces except for Dan's because <laughs> I have to work. Damn. Uh, Dan, yes, Dan is out. He is working. He is working really hard building his house. Uh, he's making a deck, and mm. that mug looks big. It looks nice. I I'm didn't gonna, know that he I'm was gonna, like... I'm going to be a man and build a deck. Uh, mm. he, I didn't know that he was like a contractor. Could have fooled me. <laughs> he's, yeah, too, he's too pretty to be doing that. What is he doing? <laughs> and everybody. Our special, special, special guest. If you thought that the hot fix track was hot on Wednesday mornings, <laughs> you have not seen or heard anything yet. He and he just got sponsored from, of course, I'm gonna let him talk about uh who he got sponsored by. Um, the final boss crew, everybody, please welcome from WASD and beyond. My homie. The Detroit native himself, the one, the only, Nick the Legit. What is up, good sir? How's it going, Ed? It's good to be here with everybody on Nintendo Pablo. I'm super, super stoked to be here. Wow. Thank you. Ed, that, was like, that was like the beginning of Spaceballs when you just watch the ship and it just keeps going <laughs> for like 15 minutes, but in like audio form. I dig it. I dig it. Yes, Nick knows. Like I, I, I love him and his crew's work. Like uh, I keep telling him that I like to drop it low <laughs> when the Hotfix <laughs> music comes. And his discussions on Fridays just be just are everything. Like I really, really love his work. Uh, but before we get into the episode, Nick, you want to tell us everybody about WASD and Beyond the podcast? Yeah, uh, WASD and Beyond is hosted by me, my friend Evan, and uh, my other friend Matt. And it's a gaming pod. It's supposed to be a gaming podcast, right? But it always gets derailed, goes off topic any chance we get. And it usually leads into me. I, I told this to Corey yesterday, just into me ranting about conspiracies that aren't true, that are totally NSFW. It doesn't make sense. And I'm surprised people get through the episode with how weird it gets but yes we are a gaming podcast <laughs> and we happen to be on the boss rush network as well so we are one giant family and i am very stoked about that yes and if you guys are watching this live uh check out uh wsd and beyond they have some shirts for e3 going on but get yours quick there are sizes once they are gone that is it um 
you know, uh, and you can uh, t- uh, follow them on Twitter. Uh, <clears throat> and we'll get to the plugs with that later on so you can get the information there. But we're going to get into some quick housekeeping. This is episode 249 of the Nintendo Power Block podcast. Each and every week we come together to talk about games and everything we love about them with our friends. You can join us live on Monday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash Live and be a part of the conversation. But if you can't join us live, no big deal. You can head over to youtube.com uh sorry everybody you can hold uh you can head over to youtube.com slash watch games and watch games.com to watch and watch the show or listen on your podcast service of choice remember to subscribe follow rate and review wherever you consume us it helps us out with discoverability and check out our familiar shows wherever you listen to your podcast come join the boss uh Come join the Boss Rush Network Discord. We have a ton of communities there that talk about games, entertainment, snacks, and more. So, everybody, of course, it is time for Snack Tendo. And I'm going to David first about Snack Tendo because he posted something that has caused a big discussion. And I am excited for him to talk about this. Oh, but before we do that, uh, I think Corey had something real quick. I did. Oh. I said it in the chat. I'm sorry. I was trying to be all sneaky about it, but, you know, Ed <laughs> missed it. So uh, <clears throat> I just want to say a couple of things. We are covering E3 in a big way this year. I know uh, we talked about it on the Boss Rush podcast yesterday, but uh, E3, we're doing a bunch of live shows. Uh, we're going to do – there's no Nintendo Pal Block regular episode next week. Uh we are doing our direct recap show on Tuesday night live. So if you want to join us for that, that will be next week's episode. Uh, it's also technically Power Block 250, but we're kind of recording out of order because uh, there's. I want to get the six kind of main cast members of Power Block on an episode for you know an hour or so just to talk about the show moving forward and kind of what it's meant to us in the past and and what we kind of want to do moving forward but uh just to let everybody know boss rush at night e3 2021 starts friday uh june 11th at 8 30 eastern time uh we're covering all the conferences friday saturday sunday monday and tuesday so uh if you just want to hear the nintendo stuff it will be next tuesday on june 15th at 8 30 p.m eastern time uh dan and i as well as a uh, panel of guests will be talking about the Nintendo Direct. So, uh, just to give everybody a heads up when you know you show up live and next week, and we're talking about you know Take Two and Capcom instead of Nintendo. <laughs> That's all. All right. Sorry, I didn't mean I didn't mean to you know slice your Snack Tendo intro there, Ed. <laughs> no, I, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. That, that I, I should have put that part in the notes. I'm sorry. I apologize. That's on me. Uh, but yes, David. Uh, you posted a picture. It caused a ruckus, and I am intrigued, though. Uh, so go ahead. What's been on your snack today? Well, it's like I tell my kids, Ed, you got to try new things. You know, they might be yes. good. So, you know, this week I tried pickle pizza, and it was yeah. fantastic. Like, I, I was skeptical at first, but, you know, the main ingredient on top, sliced pickles with some jalapeno, some uh, feta cheese, and it was just to die for. It was so good. Now, I have a question. Was there any kind of sauce? Like, you know how there's white Mm -hmm. sauce and tomato sauce. Was there anything like that, or was it just the bread and cheese? No, it was, uh, there was like a white sauce underneath. um, Okay. 
to, to complement the like vinegar acidity of the pickles and jalapenos, then it was oh, it was so good. So that was that was top of my list for snack tendo for sure. Uh, and then it, it was kind of just pizza week. Uh, last night I made a. Um, I actually, I, don't, I shouldn't take credit. My wife made it. I, <laughs> I get in trouble for that. But um, like homemade mushroom French bread pizzas. So like a, a thick layer of mushroom on top of French bread with with some more jalapeno and stuff on top. So it, it was great. We just kind of mixed it up with all different kinds of pizzas this week, and uh, it was good eating in in the Lasby household. So well, you like just the spicy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. The spicier the better. Uh, I can't. In fact, this. usually I, I have I put jalapenos on, then I get crushed red peppers, and then I go get some hot sauce and put it on top. So usually <gasps> at least minimum three things. Yeah. My, my, my yeah, type that's, of guy. That's what I do too. Oh. <laughs> yeah. oh. oh, what'd you say, Jacob? My type of guy. I, you I do as well. I so I I get yelled at all the time by Becca because I have ulcers and they get upset by spice. But yeah. like my tongue, my. <laughs> My tongue is like no, but we need the spice, and my stomach is like no, we don't. But uh, I, yeah, I, if I, the hotter the better, all the time. I cannot do spice because mm. uh, I'm Aries, and we are fire, and we don't like more fire. Mm. I you, you uh, make it up with your spicy takes, Ed. Yeah, I do. Oh yeah, you do. I do. Now I will say, hot sauce on catfish, I would do. Uh, some jalapeno juice in nachos I would do, or sometimes uh, uh, when I'm having nachos, I'll have some jalapenos. But like flat out, like spicy stuff, nah, can't do it. <laughs> can't do it. Um, but Corey, what has been in your snack tin though? Oh, geez, what? Uh, we had some uh, bratwurst yesterday. They were they were fine. I mean, my my weekend's been pretty boring, although. Last week was uh, my sister-in-law's 40th birthday, so I guess it wasn't that boring. We had we got these big sushi trays, got some of mm. them uh, crunchy Californias, the spicy shrimp. Mm. Is that good stuff, man? I got to tell you, man, that spicy shrimp. So there, there's a grocery store here called Giant Eagle. If you live in the Ohio area or the Pennsylvania area, you know what it, you know what Giant Eagle is. Every Wednesday and Sunday, they have five dollar sushi. And dude, it's some of the best sushi I've ever had. I'm not even kidding. And I I, oh, I, oh. I normally hit grocery stores. Uh, our our sushi's are six dollars no. on uh on Wednesdays. Well, mine's five, Ed, and it's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, you get that. They they on the uh, crunchy California. They also put like this spicy sauce on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then you just take. You take a fork because you know I'm white, and you just put it in the wasabi, <laughs> and then you you swirl it around, and then you put the just stab the sushi and just eat it, and then you get the wasabi in your nose, and it burns so good. Oh, oh, I love wasabi. <sighs> oh yeah, I do too. You know what you you know what you have to do? You have to put your wasabi. You have to pour your soy sauce, and then put your wasabi in your soy sauce. And get that, get that all swirled around. Yeah, you're supposed to mix it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that, salty, oh, that's spicy. So good. Mm. Uh, that is the devil's uh, hair cream wasabi. Oh, I, I not touch it. Oh man, I want, I want Ed. I just want to. We need to do like the 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 pe- spicy pepper challenge or whatever, but only make Ed do it. 
with like the most mildest spicy things yeah. and like you know how like some of the bottles have like the temp- the temperature gauge and it's like all the way at the bottom is like this is one yeah. and then i just want to see ed's face melt because his mouth is dying uh, put that on the list whilst when i come to ohio uh Jacob, you have been gone. So what has been your snack though for the month of May? <laughs> oh man, for the entire month of May. Um so I early in the month I've actually started transitioning myself into a vegan diet that has been thrown that's been thrown um into whack because Becca came down and, and she is not she does not want to do a vegan diet. But I, I have I have been I was I was I've done it before in the past and I got re inspired by David. Um so yeah, I, I was like, well I I you know it's healthier, it's better and you it makes you open yourself up to more more uh, options uh rather than just eating the same thing all the time. It took it took me two years, Jacob. I, I, I started and stopped, started and stopped. So take that yeah. for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm not I'm not letting myself dis- get discouraged yeah. at all. I've been I've been enjoying, but like I I still make the even with even knowing that I'm gonna be eating meat, I make like okay, well I'm gonna get like less meat. I'm gonna just you know just slowly mm-hmm. cut it out. Uh, but so we we've had sushi. We went to Kura Revolving Sushi Bar. It's a conveyor belt sushi bar. That's mm-hmm. a lot of fun where you, you pay by the plate of, of sushi. Um, we also went to a, a, a we went to a brewery. Had some del- absolutely delicious beer, and I had I had some hard cider and seltzer, which was really oh, good. Although, man. Becca said it, my cherry seltzer tasted like a kid's cherry Tylenol. So <laughs> I, don't know that, I, I don't know if that worked out or not. Um, and then what what else have I had? I I had uh, I I created I I made some more of my my um, potato curry. Um, mm. so made, made yes, a, a lot of that and had some of that early on in May. And then the last week of May, I got bronchitis. Oh no. So, so, so I, I literally just laid in bed and I think that entire week I had like, I had water and Gatorade. And then I think at a little, eventually towards the end, I, I had a bowl of ice cream and like, that's, oh my God. that's what I ate. Cause I was just like, not in the mood to do anything. That sounds terrible. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was not fun. And then and then um other than that, oh, and then tonight. Tonight she uh one second. Hold on. <laughs> hmm. Let's mouth what's let's see called? what he's saying. Let's, uh, what's let's, that called? Let's <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's mm. let's try to guess what he's saying. Uh, yes. I'm mm. still coming out to Detroit one day, Nick. Kielbasa. Ooh. Oh, Kielbasa. Oh, all right. I, I asked what was it called. Um, <laughs> yeah, she made she made kielbasa tonight, and that was that was so good. It was absolutely delicious. Mm. Um, Put some onions on that, caramelized onions on top. Yeah, yeah. Onions, bell peppers, yeah. uh, a little bit of cheese, sausage, and all on a nice little bread uh bread base it was really really good oh and ed becca said that because i think you had mentioned uh earlier on in may that you had tried orange pepsi the mango mango pepsi. mango pepsi she yes. she uh she bought that because she's like oh she saw it and was like ed, ed got that i'm gonna i'm gonna have myself a little snack tendo and so she blamed you for it because apparently <laughs> uh, but, i can't uh, wait i can't wait to hear our thoughts on it with uh, yeah. what she thought 
Oh yeah, well, I will let you know. Or she'll let you know. But yeah, other than that, I haven't really had bronchitis. Really threw me out of the loop for a while. Like I, I've forgotten everything that I've eaten since then, basically. So. Yeah, okay. All right, Nick. What has been on your snack tendo? Honestly, not a whole lot of crazy good foods like I usually eat uh, because I've been trying to keep myself losing weight and working out. So I haven't been like snacking as hard as I like to. Yeah, I see. I see you throw up that muscle on uh on the show yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, oh. look at Nick. <laughs> All right. So that was just that was a trick, you know. You just got you got to put your hand behind it and then you can rock. <laughs> That's the only way I'll ever be Laron size. No, but <laughs> if I. You know, when I do snack, it's definitely pizza. Pizza's like my go-to snack, and it it's never just a pepperoni pizza. So, like, my go-to is if I get pizza from Buddy's. So I'll throw, you know, Detroit styles, caramelized crust, you know, square pizza, mm-hmm. some feta cheese, jalapeno, uh, pepperoni, sausage, things like that. Usually, but like it ha- the ranch has to be good for pizza because mm. if the ranch is trash, it ruins the entire pizza. Well, there's a spot down here called Major Tomato, and they actually have ranch with dill in it. Oh, I love it dill. The best. It is the best. So uh, my snack tendo has been pretty boring, but I've had some cool meads. I've had some uh, good craft beer from Detroit. Um, other than that, just water, granola bars, and uh, chicken wraps. <laughs> That's nice. Snack yeah, so. I know. I know. Me and you been talking because I'm trying to come up to Detroit this year uh, to yeah. come visit you guys, come visit Asa, um, and I know you guys mentioned Jets Pizza. Yeah, um, you know because after our, uh, if you guys remember, I did uh, Pizza Hut Detroit Pizza, which was good. It was like, right. like I'm like, oh, this is nice. But you guys are just like, yeah, it's good, but you got to come up to Detroit to get the real stuff. Yeah. So I'm excited to try that. Well, the so. real stuff would be from Buddies. So Jets is like a chain pizza mm-hmm. spot that's like all over the U.S. now. But um, I mean, it's good. Jets is good. I like Jets. I know people have had horror stories about Jets because like other Jets, Jacob, in other states aren't as good <laughs> as the one up here, as the Jets that are around our, my area. But like their ranch is just to die for. Like Jets ranch is like cream of the crop. But like for sure, like Buddies is really good. Uh, my fiance took me to a spot called. Uh, Green Lantern. Uh, that's a little bit further from Detroit, but it's really mm-hmm. good Detroit pizza. So, can you order and, that rich with the? Oh, go ahead, David. Oh no, I was going to ask you what you've been snacking on. Oh, you didn't tell us about you. Yeah. Oh, uh, so what I've been snacking on? Um, there hasn't been no, no new snacks yet. Um, I'm, I got to go out and get the Key Lime Pie Kit Kat bar. Uh, still need to find that. But uh, I kind of been just snacking on uh, like some fried rice here and there uh have some checker fry seasoned fries today um really because been kind of been boring been drinking like a lot of water and arizona mango uh so kind of been like low-key and stuff um, i did have my twix cookie and cream uh freshly that they came in that i enjoy uh but uh normally yeah i I haven't really been eating like junk junk food or something or found a new place yet. So I, I, I've been a good boy um, for the snack tendo. Um, but I did create that E3 snack list, everybody, which you guys will soon find out. Yes, uh, I messaged you, David, on Discord. Uh, so I cannot wait for you to uh, 
edit. <laughs> and and that's uh, we're, for our listeners. Uh, we're we're doing the snack list in preparation of E three, so it should be up on Friday, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, once you add your flair to it. It'll be ready for Friday. I, I cannot wait. So, but everybody, that has been our snack tender. We're going to get into our game pack events. Jacob, returning to the right. spotlight. He is That's going to right. be taking over our game pack events this episode. So, Jacob, take it away. Yeah, so we've got Nintendo E3 coming up. And the big thing that literally everybody is talking about but nobody has any information on is whether or not Nintendo will announce a Nintendo Switch Pro. Um, That got me interested in the idea of how often have they actually announced consoles or even focused on consoles at E3. And surprisingly, not a lot. Um, Actual announcements for consoles at E3 is the, the Nintendo Wii. That's it. Everything else has been announced previously or shortly after... Um, but there hasn't been very many announcements at E3. Now, I was wondering how often did they focus on consoles, so that's where our Game Fact Advance comes in. Um, I'm going to list Nintendo console systems focused at E3 and along with like some other major events, right? So the very first one was the Virtual Boy, a critical success in my opinion, uh, and Earthbound was featured at E3 in 1995, the Nintendo 64 and Super Mario 64 was featured at E3 1996. The GameCube and Super Smash Bros. Melee were featured at E3 2011 or 2001. Nintendo DS, and um, the big thing for that was that Reg- Reggie Fils-Aimé is about kicking ass, taking names, and making games at E3 2004. <laughs> so we got the DS and Reggie in the same E3. The, uh, the Nintendo Wii and the Wii Sports game was featured in E3 2006. And then four years later, the 3DS and what I thought was the best E3 Nintendo has ever had because of all the nostalgia um, that they announced was E3 2010. And then the Wii U and Zelda turning 25 was E3 2011. And that was the last time they featured a console at E3. So Jake- what I mean, go ahead. Oh, I just had a question about that. That uh, 25th anniversary of Zelda, was that when they had the disastrous demo for Skyward Sword? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah, that was the that was the announcement of Skyward Sword and um, and uh, the the announcement for the Wii U. And um, yeah, the the terrible, terrible, like motion control problem. Um, yeah, which makes sense because there's a lot of wireless signals around at E3. Well, that, uh, but that plus, brings me plus into... like the the lighting, right? I think the lighting yes. was what really threw it off because, like, mm-hmm. technically, if you have the Wii set up and you don't have a sensor bar, you can just set two candles next to your TV and it'll like somehow read it or something weird. What? Yeah, it's like really weird. It's like it uses really weird infrared tech. It's, it's strange. You should look it up. People that are is, doing it. That is yeah, it's gnarly. Really there's an extra game fact advance for you. That's crazy. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, Star Road of but... Game Fact Advance. <laughs> <laughs> Star Road. Uh, but so that all brings me to, um, like I said, Nintendo did their only console reveal at E3 uh, 2006 with the Nintendo Wii, and then they didn't really do a whole much of reveals after that. And Nintendo actually set 
what we're featuring this year, a digital standard in 2013 with their announcement to not hold a traditional E3. So they weren't actually at the show in 2013. And that's when we started getting a lot of the Nintendo Directs. And um, they're, they're like, they did more of a treehouse focus at E3, but we had a pre-recorded show for their announcements at E3. Um, so we're doing all of that this year because it's, we're, we have to be digital this year uh but nintendo really set the set the standard for that and as we see we've got the state of play and then what's the xbox digital event called um it's just called uh it's just called x or inside xbox i think is what it's called inside xbox so like that that all kind of started because of nintendo well not because of but they they were the forerunner the front runners of that whole that whole thing yeah so that's that's our game fact advance man what a just talk about Nintendo Directs for a second, man. What a, what a I know, I know it's our docked mode, but just like, what a smart way to deliver information, right? Oh, so good. And all, and all very, all very packaged together by the Iwata. Yeah. Directly to you. Yeah. Like, man. yes. Oh, I miss him. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes. Well, thank you, Jacob, for that game fact advance. We're gonna turn it over to Femi News, David. Welcome back. Take it away. <laughs> right. Thank you. Well, I, re- I really enjoyed that GameFact Advance. It really brought me back thinking about all the places Nintendo's been over the years. And uh, so glad that we're within the week of, of E3. So uh, I'm, I'm excited. Oh, I'm so excited. <clears throat> um, well, our first story, speaking of the company that's been a trendsetter for a while now, Nintendo Museum to open by 2024. So this reporting is from Mad Pharmacist 10112 from BossRushGames.com. This just in, Nintendo President Shuntaro Furukawa released a statement early yet today for plans of a Nintendo museum. The company plans to transform their Uji Ogura plant in Kyoto into a gallery to showcase all the products they released over the decades. The Uji Ogura plant has operated as a product repairs customer service center as well as a manufacturing center for playing cards and Hanafuda cards. Nintendo envisions the Nintendo Gallery, which is their tentative name, to be complete with the 2023 fiscal year, which ends in March of 2024. Although no specifics were outlined, the company intends to include, quote, exhibits and experiences. So this would be a wonderful opportunity for Nintendo to showcase its history and culture. The original Nintendo Entertainment System was launched over 30 years ago, and the company has sold over 790 million units and more than 5 billion games worldwide. And of course, Nintendo headquarters is located in Japan. So for our panel, we want to think about this for a moment. Nintendo has been one of the most storied companies in history, existing as an entertainment producer since 1889. What are your reactions to Nintendo's plans to create a museum? What surprises might we find on display? And what would you be most excited for? So Ed, as kind of our resident Nintendo historian, I'd like to get your tank first. what do you think about this idea of a Nintendo museum and, and what kind of things might we expect to find there? I think this is great. Um, Nintendo has a history of making products um, that we in America, we never got to experience in our things. So if we're planning to go to Japan or Kyoto, we'll be able to go experience stuff that people in Japan have known for years. And some of the young kids 
who has just now realized who Nintendo is, they could like re- recognize their past. Um, one of the things that I believe that they can like really showcase is kind of um, some of their arcade games. Um, Nintendo used to make arcade games back in the day, and a lot of people don't know about know about that. Like, I played Punch Out on NES. Didn't realize it was an arcade game before it came to NES. With the wireframe, um, Little Mac. Yeah. Um, <laughs> playing the Nintendo versus of Mario, and maybe they could have that Super Mario Brothers three arcade cabinet where you used to pay twenty five cent and get three minutes to play. Um, they could bring that back, and so I think I think people could go there and get like a better understanding who Nintendo is in their history and the industry. All right, awesome, Jacob. What about you? Uh, well, I'm excited to. Corey allowed me to announce that he actually went ahead and greenlit the funding for everyone on Pow Block to be going to this on the on the uh, the official re- uh, launch day. It's a <laughs> boss you, rush co- boss rush company retreat. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much, Corey, for supplying the funding for that. <laughs> you're we welcome. Really appreciate you, boss. No, you're you're um, welcome. I'll uh, <laughs> cut that check right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, in in reality, I. I, we were kind of talking about it a little bit pre-show, but I'm interested to know if this is going to be focused on Nintendo's time in the gaming industry or if they are going to talk about a lot of their weirder things, like how they were they made Hanafuda cards. That's how they opened up. We were talking about how they had a chain of love hotels, if you get what we're talking about there. <laughs> um, they also did like they, – they made food. They made they made they partnered uh, you know everybody knows that they partnered um, or they wanted to make the original Donkey Kong game based off of Popeye and that's because mm-hmm. they originally had a license agreement to make ramen featuring Popeye so like I wonder how far back this is gonna go or if it's going to be based only in their gaming industry time like that that's what I would be really interested in and then I also would like to see if they feature not just the things that Nintendo have created but like the the more i don't want to say more noteworthy because i feel like everyone that works there would be noteworthy but like the more prominent figures if they have like a history of their time and like what they've done um in the company and what they're accredited to and things like that nick you're somebody that has a perspective beyond just nintendo uh what do you think of this idea that Nintendo would open up a museum? Is that something that's a worthwhile endeavor? Should other companies consider following suit, or is Nintendo a little different? What's your take on that? I think Nintendo doing this opens up the doors for other companies, such as Sony or Microsoft even, to follow suit. I mean, there's really no excuse not to at this point. Each company has a very interesting history, especially Nintendo. So with Nintendo, you got over, what, a century of history to go through like the playing cards and all that so i really think nintendo doing this should put pressure on other companies to follow suit in their footsteps because i would love to go to a museum especially a nintendo themed museum i'm not a big nintendo guy but like to be able to go there and learn history see original products see an original nintendo card deck just in the glass i would i would freak out so mm-hmm. it would be cool if other companies like Microsoft or Sony would do the same thing, or like if you know PC gaming had its own like small muse- traveling museum, like to see like old rigs and how and you know examples of land parties. And I really think, or like what land parties used to be, right? Um, I really before Discord and Teamspeak and Ventrilo, I really right. think that 
it, it it's good and I would love to go to a Nintendo museum. I would love it um, again to see like all the cool products that we don't have, we that we've never gotten in America, to have a chance to go there and see it and basically almost have it in your hands. Plus that gift shop, I'm a sucker for merch, oh, and I know oh, yeah. I know for a fact you put like a cool Nintendo history book in front of me, gone swipe, just take my money. Anything with Link on it, gone swipe, take my money. I don't care. Chica, gone, swipe, take my money. Like, this is a good idea, and I think other companies will follow suit. So, I would love, to, I would love to see this happen. You bring up some good points there, and I, I almost wonder, just like there's uh, like Disneyland packages you can get. I wonder with you know the museum and Nintendo World if there'd be some kind of entertainment package that you could get as you travel to Japan. Uh, and if we'd even get like a Nintendo of America museum as like a counterpart for when the um, Nintendo World opens here, so I, I think it's an interesting idea. Um, and, and to your to your point about the other companies, you know, gaming history has evolved so quickly and rapidly that even though it's a short amount of time, I mean, there is so much history to go through. Imagine having like you know, a Panasonic section for 3DO or, you know, some of these other systems that didn't make it. And, ColecoVision. You know, <laughs> or right. like yeah, I, that weird GameCube that like had the Panasonic DVD player in it that we didn't get here. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so Corey, I wanted to get you in on this actually. So I know on Boss Rush uh, a few weeks ago, you had this discussion about whether video games uh, should be considered art. If we get a museum where stuff is short, does that... Does that sort of further ante up that conversation a little bit about video games being treated as art? I mean, I think that Nintendo has a very interesting history in terms of their products and not just recent history, right? Like there was a somebody. Let me let me kind of back up here. The video game industry right now is in this weird state of preservation right? How do we preserve games? How do we preserve old games? Do we remaster them? Do we keep them as they are? Do we dump ROM code? Like, how do we clean the older cartridges? Because you think of those older NES games, those things are approaching 50 years old. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. sad, but like, (laughs) they are, right? PS1 games are starting to see disc uh, uh, degradation, right? Just because it's, they're 25 30 years old like a cd is gonna is gonna you know degrade over time so uh i think with you know with what a lot of private companies are doing with video game archiving and preservation and stuff i think that you see someone as big as nintendo kind of like what nick said right where you see a company as big as nintendo starting to take this seriously and not just with nintendo games but with their cards and their history of of other things that they've done like this is a big deal and uh i think displaying you know the the graph paper that miyamoto would design levels on right like Mm -hmm. you you see these old pictures like that or that would be amazing you know and and you know we did have that discussion on if video games were art and to me it's like it's it's a way more complicated answer than just or no, especially these days. But like you look at what they were doing with graph paper or drawing on napkins or playing around with certain things or building, you know, uh, uh, 
replicas on their desks of these things and you see them experimenting with like you you look at that gamecube demo of 128 marios ended up being pikmin right you you start to see not only the products that they've put out but prototypes or you know things that never made it off the drawing board you know like you you just see all these really cool things and you're like wow look what they do you know and uh i think that's where this museum is going to shine like if they release <clears throat> prototypes of things that, that never made it to market or you a lot of people don't know that the wii remote started as a gamecube accessory right like mm-hmm. you would plug it into the gamecube uh what a hole i guess you call it and uh it worked like the microphone for mario party right like you just plugged it in and used it right and then they're like no we should add this to a console but what does that gamecube prototype look like Nobody really right. knows. That'd be so cool to go see something so like irrelevant, but part of Nintendo's history, nonetheless. You know, you, you talked a little bit about some of these games reaching 50 years old. And one thing that I think is really interesting is U.S. copyright law is generally 70 years plus the life of an artist. So we are not quite there yet. But in the next 20 to 30 years, some of those early games will become public domain. Mm-hmm. So it is really interesting to think about, you know, the original Donkey Kong or Super Mario becoming that code, essentially becoming public domain. What happens Shareware. then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that We're going to start seeing that because I follow, I'm in a lot of like Disney circles, right? Like I follow mm-hmm. a lot of Disney people. Steamboat Mickey. Like Mickey's 90th birthday just happened. Is Mickey Mouse really going to be public domain someday? You know, like, or does Disney have enough money to just say, hey, don't let anybody use this? <laughs> Change just, the law. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I I feel like I feel like things that last this long, when those laws were made, did they really think anything like that was going to last 90, 100, 120 years? You know, no, it's, absolutely not. I feel like stuff like this Nintendo Museum or the stuff that's that Disney's doing with the Disney Museum in Burbank or something. I feel like this is going to drive uh, uh, people to kind of change the way things like that are thought of. And maybe the laws will change. And, you know, I know there's a lot of like corporate stuff behind the scenes, whatever. I'm sure Disney is not going to let Mickey Mouse get away. Right. But, oh no, uh, you know, I think people are going to start thinking like this. And uh, mm-hmm. I just think this is a really cool idea. You know what the museum's going to do? It's give more people the opportunity to learn about Rob the Robot. Hmm. (laughs) I think my old no the museum the museum is just a giant amiibo and you have to buy a ticket to go. (laughs) Oh wow! No, not dealing with that. All right, we got to go on to our next story here. So this is a a bit of an obvious one. Uh, Nintendo's E3 2021 Direct has been announced. So this report is from IGN and Adam Bankhurst reporting, quote, Nintendo has announced that it will be hosting a roughly 40-minute E3 2021 Nintendo Direct on June 15 at 9 a.m. Pacific. Revealed on Twitter, the Nintendo Direct will be followed by a three hours of gameplay in the Nintendo Treehouse live show. As with most Nintendo Direct announcements, the company gave no further details as to what fans can expect from E3's 2021 show, but will uh, many will undoubtedly be hoping for updates on The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2, Metroid Prime 4, a possible new Mario game, a potential celebration of Legend of Zelda's 35th anniversary, Bayonetta 3, and much more. 
It did say the Direct will be focused exclusively on Nintendo Switch software, releasing mostly in 2021. So, no surprises here as Nintendo seems to be that spot on the last day uh, pretty consistently. However, what do we make of this as a business strategy? Would it be beneficial for Nintendo to give its presentation at an earlier day and time? Is E3 set up once again for Nintendo to steal the show? Corey, what do you think? Sorry, I had to go first. No. You go last, you're the last thing everybody talks about, and you're the only thing anybody talks about for the next week. I think that's always been Microsoft's problem, is they always go first, and then they get lost in the shuffle, right? Like They're going to get lost with Ubisoft and, and Capcom and whatever. Nintendo, everybody's going to talk about Nintendo anyway, but you put them last and come out with something big, they're, they're the company everybody's going to talk about for the rest of the week, because they went last. Ed, what do you think? You agree with what Corey's saying? Yeah, Nintendo is always what everybody's talking about when it comes to E3. Um, the thing, the thing about it is just like if those previous press conferences are boring, and Nintendo shows like two to three games that's just right that everybody get hyped about, they're gonna dis- they're gonna steal the conversation and everything. You can have the best treaders, the best looking thing, best moments, but if Nintendo do it right. They're going to steal the show. They're going to keep the talk of the town. And then you got Treehouse Live that you're going to be watching for additional announcements. That's not in a direct. Exactly. So um, there's that's going to keep more talks because after the 15th, the breakdowns and stuff are going to happen. But everybody's still going to be looking and talking about Nintendo. Like I said earlier, Nintendo is going to be trending. Yeah. And if Nintendo's trending at the start of E3 to the end of E3, that just shows that Nintendo got this. And how and many so times? Then- how many times do we go back to when we covered E3? What a couple years ago? Well, probably. Well, I guess it was 2017 at this point, where we were talking and we had to stop our recording because they announced a Metroid game and they were showing yeah. off Pokemon footage at Treehouse. We had to stop our recap that year and start over because they still had more things to show so. f- through the next five hours. Last, not last year, nineteen and uh, twenty nineteen. Out that Friday, they last show. They did a Donkey Kong arcade game that's never been released for uh, I think for a Switch or it may, it may have been Wii U. But they had additional announcement and stuff. So Nintendo mm-hmm. got everything planned out. Everybody else is just like, you know, I can't oh. believe they showed this game, and it and it takes the seal to show. You know. All right, but hold, hold on, Nick. The the fanboy air is getting pretty thick in here. So can you give us a, a whoa, non whoa, fanboy whoa. perspective? Uh, <laughs> what d- is is Nintendo smart for going the last day? You know, do do we think Nintendo's going to steal the show again this year? You know, e, uh, Square Enix has got some good stuff coming. We know uh, Bethesda is teaming up with Xbox. What are your perspectives? Yeah, so I think Nintendo is very, very, very intelligent to always pick the last day. They, they just are. Like Corey said, Microsoft goes first. So usually E3 is like, we'll talk about the main three. It's Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo. That's always how it's gone. It goes Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo. And I really think it's smart on Nintendo to go last. But here's the thing. You have Sony, which I mean, they're not there, but just, just for, for instance here. You have Sony and Microsoft who have released new consoles. The PS5 is out. The Xbox Series is out. So Microsoft has a big opportunity here to go crazy with this E3, especially with how stacked it's going to be. They have their game studios plus Bethesda. 
yeah, it's they a have, big show for them. They have what twenty three studios to talk about this year. So yes, and, this is the, this is the thing about it. if no one is memeing anything from any anybody else's conference, you are not having a good conference. I don't know right. that Phil Spencer with the Xbox Series X bazooka is pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty fun, and the <laughs> Xbox fridge. But in my opinion, I think Nintendo needs to drop some heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. They just do Breath of the Wild two. We should see something from that. Uh, Metroid, we should see something from that. Um, Switch, g- give us some new Switch hardware. Let's 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 get talking about what's next for Nintendo down the line. Um, let's get people hyped for that. We've been waiting for... Bre- we got teased Breath of the Wild 2, right? But the Treehouse event, I think, is where they're going to shine. Three hours of added footage, added games that aren't going to be discussed in the Direct. It- the- one more thing to add, I think a lot of people listen to all the speakers in the Nintendo Direct than ever anybody else. Like, Keanu Reeves took over Microsoft, over Phil Spencer and everybody else. But yeah, but if, it's if Keanu Anuma, Reeves. Right, but if like Anuma and Fubukawa and even the Pokemon company, if they come out and they speak, everybody who's watching it is listening. Right, right. So, I think Nintendo right. has a big opportunity here. Jacob, uh, you'll, you'll close us out here given the lineup that we've seen so far uh, without making, you know, predictions, obviously we'll talk more about that later, but, but who wins E3 this year? Are, is Nintendo the name that we're talking about when it's all done? What do you think? So I, I to play devil's advocate to what they were saying, I, I do think that Nintendo's name will be who we're talking about because of their going last, because they'll be the last thing that everyone knows. People who tune in late to things will end up seeing Nintendo's stuff because it's the last thing that they can catch. However, that can backfire if you have a bad press conference and you mm-hmm. are the last press conference, especially... Because we have things like Breath of the Wild 2, we have Metroid Prime 4, we have Bayonetta 3, we have everything going on with the Switch Pro. If they don't if they don't deliver on all of these uh, high expectations that people have for no reason other than rumors, it's going to f- fall flat. And it's through no fault of their own. Other than that, they allow this sort of thing to like, they don't, they don't crush it when it's starting to rise right they don't come out and say we're not talking about a switch pro it's not gonna happen. right the internet is a place of uh if there's no confirmation or if you say nothing that basically is confirmation right like that's that's the way the internet is whether that's right or wrong that's just how it is yeah Um, and and so they set themselves up and the thing that i'm worried about because in the past this has been fine and the nintendo has been talked about a lot like i said 2010 when they dropped all the nostalgia they dropped like every single game that was on the snes that was a big hitter came back for the wii and the 3ds right um but if they if they don't do that this year because they have new management they have new people higher up especially in nintendo of america that might not be pushing as hard to get these big announcements coming to E3. And if they don't do that, then it's going to be, it's not going to be, wow, Nintendo's press conference was so great. It's going to be, wow, Nintendo really let us down. They suck. Mm-hmm. Like, it, that, and I don't want it to be, obviously. I'm a Nintendo fanboy. I have, I love Nintendo. But, like, they, they really put themselves at between a rock and a hard place with this. But there will, there's no denying that they're going to be what everyone talks about. All right. Well, speaking of Nintendo, we're going to stick with Nintendo on this next story. This is also from Boss Rush's own Mad Pharmacist. Nintendo Switch sales milestone made in Japan. 
Quote, the Nintendo Switch launched back in 2017, and it is still a hot item on the market. Famitsu is reporting that sales in Japan alone have surpassed 20 million units between March 3rd, 2017 to May 23rd, 2021. The light makes up just under 4 million of that statistic at approximately 3.8 million, while the standard Switch made the bulk of the sales at 16 million. In addition to that, Famitsu also listed the top five best-selling games in Japan, Animal Crossing at 6.7 million units, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate at 4.3 million units, Pokemon Sword and Shield at 4 million units, Splatoon 2 at 3.8 million, and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe at 3.8 million. To put this in perspective, uh, Statista.com reports as of May 2021 that 85.7 million units sold worldwide, with North America consuming 32 million of those units. Nintendo's president had alluded to the fact that the Switch is around the mid-stage of its life cycle in a Japanese publication, Nikkei, in February of 2021. So, panel, what are your reactions to this story? Given how well Nintendo's doing, given all of the uh, smoke and possibly fire about Switch Pro, is this the right time to release a Switch Pro? Putting aside our, our everybody's desire for some news around this, it, would Nintendo be crazy to release something like that right now with these numbers? Corey, we'll start with you. What do you think? I feel like as much as we want a Switch Pro, right? It's the same reason Mario Kart 9 is coming, not coming out, right? Is because Mario Kart 8 has sold almost 40 million units on the Switch, right? Like they'd be they'd be really dumb to 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 put out another one right now. It could be done, right? It could be ready to go and when you start seeing Mario Kart 8's numbers start going down then you release it right but the switch they they've already said they they're aiming to sell double what they sold last year right and in some report like a couple months ago they're like we're doubling mm-hmm. our whatever be, even with the chip shortage it's like well the switch is still selling like hotcakes why would you put out another one like a, a more powerful one but also like the 3DS was selling well, and they redesigned that a couple times. They put out an XL. That's a good point. They put out the 2DS, which I have and I really love, right? Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like to it's a, it's a cool thing to think about to keep momentum going, but when you already have that much momentum, does it really matter? I don't know. I, I really want to switch pro because I have a launch day switch and it is crying out for help every time. Same. I turn it on. <laughs> uh, and I've My been, fan is getting pretty bad. Yeah, dude, I was shopping the eShop. I was in the eShop the other day and all of a sudden I just heard. <laughs> and then my, and then the HD rumble started going off and the joy. I'm like, I got to turn this off because this is just nuts. Uh, wow. But I've been holding out because I want, I, I desperately want a switch pro, but at the end of the day, Nintendo doesn't really need to, right? They just don't need to. So, Jacob, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Would, would it be crazy for Nintendo to release a Switch Pro right now? No, I don't think it would be crazy. I think, like what Corey said, I think Nintendo is no no stranger to cannibalizing their own profits, especially between the having a, a handheld console and a, a handheld system and a at-home console in the past. Mm-hmm. Um they also, you know, the last the last couple big Zelda titles have released on two consoles mm-hmm. with no problems. They sell really well. Zelda Breath of the Wild outsold the Switch at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, right. it had a like a hundred and two percent throughput rate or something. Mm-hmm. Like it was crazy. 
But do they need to? No, they don't need to, but they could easily keep the Switch on the market, the regular Switch, the launch day Switch on the market, come out with a Switch Pro and just drop the launch day Switch in, in price. Yeah, and that's, they could, well, they, the rumor is they're going to phase it out and this is just going to replace it is, yeah. is the big rumor. And, but. And that's possible too, though, because they have the Switch Lite. Like they, they're not, right. they're not strangers to having two versions of their consoles out. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's just a matter of what route they want to take. It, I would be. So I've always been kind of iffy on the Switch Lite because a Switch that doesn't switch just doesn't seem smart to me. Um, but they did it, and it sells well. So hey, I what are you gonna one. do? I like it. Yeah, well, yeah. And, I mean, and let me say as a, as a parent, uh, it's the only reason my kids have a switch. So yeah, so I get I get it. But yeah. if they dropped the switch to the current yep. price of the switch light, or maybe like twenty fifty bucks more, twenty five fifty bucks more, like, and they phased out the switch light, then you'd have two consoles that switch, and you would still have the well, hardcore console for people that want to put out the money, and the regular console for people who don't. Well, what you could do is drop the switch light to one hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, drop the right. current switch tier, to two hundred, yeah, and then make everything. this three hundred, right? Or, yeah, or three fifty, or whatever you want to charge it at. Absolutely, hey, and go, go ahead, Jacob. Well, well, all I was going to say is that the chip shortage thing doesn't. So, if they're using different, if they, if, if it mm-hmm. really is a, a much stronger system, they're using different hardware, mm-hmm. so they could absolutely still ramp up production plus, of this one, and then plus they're not using the same chips that PlayStation and Microsoft are using, That's and right. they're using different mm-hmm. chips than cell phones. So, like, they kind of have this chip the all to themselves, right? So, Nintendo, it's not really a shortage. Go ahead, sorry. So, yeah. Nintendo Nintendo is famous for buying old school hardware and pumping it to get the most out of it so that it's cheap. <laughs> the only system they've ever sold at a loss was the Wii U. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Ed, I know you have a lot to say on this, so we're going to get to you in one second. But I want to get Nick in mm-hmm. on this, and then Ed, you'll close this out. So uh, what are your thoughts on this, Nick? Yeah, so I think it, it's, it's a good and bad thing for them to try to do this, right? If it, I, I, it, I, it'll definitely work. But here's the problem with releasing a Switch Pro right now. Good luck getting one. It's going to be the exact yeah. same thing that's going to ha- that happened with PS5 and the Xbox Series X. That and the V2, the Switch V2 came out what last two uh, years, yeah, two year years and ago. Half. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not saying that's by any means what the Switch Pro is going to be, but I'm fine with my Switch, right? But like people like Corey and you guys who actually play your Switches, especially Corey, now his Switch is you know, about to yeet itself off a cliff. Mm-hmm. He needs a new switch. So what's the point in him buying a V2 or a light when the pro is around the corner? Mm-hmm. So for him and you guys, for sure. But it's just, I think we're gonna, I think Nintendo will run into that problem where how are we going to combat scalpers? How mm-hmm. are we going to get these into the consumer's hands? Especially right now, we're all still in this fog of quarantine, right? So it's not, it's getting better, but it's not to where we it needs to be, especially for these companies to mass produce. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're not I even selling to... the Xbox and PlayStation in store yet, right? I no. mean, I think so. There's yeah. been some <laughs> Xbox Series S images floated out, right? Where oh, lucky, there's man. yeah. So this I've been trying me. to get mine forever. So <laughs> uh, Ed, let's get you in to close this topic out. What are you, what are no. your thoughts, Ed? Oh, no. Jacob wants to say something. Real quick, I just want to. Nick uh, Nick said something that made me think. What they what they really need to do, what they absolutely need to do, is they need to announce that they're not announcing it and that they're not gonna release it, or they need to say it's coming in 2024. 
mm-hmm. like or right. 2020, 2023, 2022, whatever, so that the people who like Corey have a system that they're like, oh, this is dying. They can go, okay, I can buy this replacement system and then save up and still buy the Pro when it comes out. Like that, that's what they need to do, I think. But that's all I wanted to say. Sorry. Nintendo, think of the consumers. Wait, what? Yeah, no, no company. <laughs> Ed, what, you, what are your thoughts on this? Okay, so, um, it, it, okay, so the thing about it is that, and the Nintendo's been saying that we are not working on new hardware. We have nothing planned. It's it's us making the expectations that they need to release something and everything. So that all that all all that disappointment and everything that happens, that's on us because we're creating the expectation. If Nintendo needs to do this, they need to only do it for one reason, and that's Unreal Engine Five. Um, because because of this chip is that is in the Switch right now is custom made. It was designed to do Unreal Engine four, and we've seen what Nintendo can do with Unreal Engine because of Breath of the Wild. Now that Unreal Engine five is slowly becoming available, we don't know if this chip thing can do it. We don't know if third party is going to be able to be porting games or doing games with Unreal Engine five for the old Switch, or how Andy's are going to take Unreal Engine five and do it with. Switch. Switch. So if they need to do a pro that can handle Unreal Engine five, I don't. I think it's going to come down later on in the line um, because that engine is going to be really important to a lot of developers unless they have their own engine that can work on Switch Pro or the regular Switch. So at this point in time, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, f- for the numbers with Japan and stuff, that's good to hear. Um, and the thing that's driving it is software. You know, software is always going to be is continue making the system switch because, of course, word of mouth. But the software that's available for everywhere that's here in America and in Japan, their software is helping them sell the system and everything. Um, you know, Japan got some software that we don't have yet, and that's selling games in that country, uh, selling systems. So uh, that is my thought. I'm happy to hear that. 20 million in one country and it's growing and everything um and i think even with playstation 5 and xbox one becoming available mostly in japan playstation 5 um that would be the competition for nintendo and what they do because japan don't have nothing to do with microsoft microsoft is not selling anything in that (laughs) in that country um but when it comes to America and maybe in the UK, Nintendo's going to have to think, how do we keep up with them? Do we go back and get the exclusive? Do we go get canceled games and bring them up to our system to make people be like, they got this game from this developer? I thought that was canceled. Oh, it's finished. They're bringing it to Switch. I'm going to get me a Switch so I can play that game. And... Oh, that's what uh, that's my thing, and also factoring still working with PC games with their crossover with, with titles and stuff. It's going to get the, Nintendo has been hitting everybody with stuff mm-hmm. with their software, and that is selling that system. So, oh, go ahead, Jake. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I keep talking over other people's segments. I'm bad at being on a podcast. There was a there was Gosh, a rumor stop trying that... to be so contra- conversational, <laughs> Jacob. There's a there's a rumor. I'm sorry. There was a rumor that happened after Microsoft announced um, that Dragon Dragon Scale game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scalebound. Scalebound. Yes. There was a rumor that mm-hmm. Nintendo was taking that on, and and they were going to bring it to their console. And I got so excited about that because that was I was like, ooh, maybe I need to buy an Xbox because that game looks good. Um, and then it never happened. But 
like that yeah absolutely if they went back and got canceled games or if they got games that like that people people if they got indie or not indie but like smaller developers to take on titles that they haven't put out in a long time like that would bring people in for sure all right, I'm I'm going off script here for a second. Oh but, no, uh, David's what, going off script. Write this down. <laughs> and what Ed said about Microsoft having zero luck at selling in Japan, if we get this rumored or you know discussed Game Pass on Switch, Microsoft Nintendo collaboration, is that Microsoft's ticket into getting some revenue out of Japan? Corey, what no. do you think about that? Ed says no. It's because Ed doesn't believe in Game Pass, even though 30 million people disagree with him. <laughs> I, 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 um, I know. All right, no, right, hold on. Wait, I, think, on I, think, I think Microsoft wants Game Pass on as many platforms that will let them, right? And, uh, you know, we've kind of seen Nintendo and Xbox kind of be buddy-buddy. You know, you've seen X, a few Xbox published games on Switch. Uh, we've seen Switches in the backgrounds of... of X- yep. Xbox uh, uh, executives, right? Uh, when during their conferences and stuff, and like the first one was Phil Spencer, right? And he's like, it's on his shelf in his home, whatever. You look at the video of Sarah Bond or Major Nelson; they're in a studio, and that switch is placed front and center, right, while they're discussing certain things. And that, to me, tells me that they are trying to work with Nintendo on something. Now, what we kind of discussed on a couple other shows is uh it's going to be like a really curated version of game pass right like i feel like if there's some indies that are available to purchase on switch nintendo's going to want to make money off of those indies as opposed to letting microsoft have them on game pass and not pay for them right um but i think this is a really interesting way to allow microsoft to get into a quote-unquote handheld market uh get into the japanese market and they won't have to sell their boxes to do that, right? Because the Japanese culture is very into handheld gaming. You know, that's why mobile phones are so popular. That's why the PSP was so popular. That's why the DS and 3DS continue to be popular. Um, and I think Microsoft sees that, and they, they want to try to take advantage of it, and Nintendo is their ticket to that because of how successful the Switch is. Okay. Go ahead, Ed. Right, hate let's me. Let's hear it. Okay, so it's it, the East do not play Western games like the like we do. The East does not play Dragon Age. The East is not playing Gears of War. The East is not playing anything that um, Yakuza, that Kingdom develop- Hearts, Dragon uh, Quest, right. Final Fantasy. But those are East, all on Game Pass. East, right. The East has been playing those games. Don't forget, they've been in the West for a long time. Where are they and playing they became, them? Because the PlayStation became, 4 sold less than 10 million units. So tell me where I'm they're playing about, them. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 3 when those when those series started. Mm. You know, yes, they are, they are playing games in the East, but I'm saying the East are not playing Western games. You mentioned Eastern games that America is playing. They've been, the people in the East have been playing that because it's in Japan. You know, um, they're not they're not playing the stuff that Microsoft is designing, or even some of Sony stuff is designing. You, we did a NPD list of how many games that is being played in Japan and selling, and they're all been Nintendo. Every week that's coming out is all been Nintendo, and most of the games are have been designed in Japan. And when has anything when has anything like Gears Five or even Forza Motorsport or Forza Horizon has been even talked about in Japan? They aren't right, because Xbox is selling if consoles. If it's on Game Pass, 
Yeah, if it's on Game Pass, if it's on Game Pass on a console, everybody owns. They they still wouldn't even play. They still. (laughs) This is what I get for. Yeah, you're making my head hurt. My head really hurts now. Nick and Jacob, quick thought on this from each of you: Uh, If Game Pass were to be on Switch, uh, is is that Microsoft's path into Japan? We'll start with you, Nick. Yeah, it's. I mean, it'll help, right? It's Microsoft getting a piece of that pie, and that's what they want. I think teaming up and releasing with nintendo certain time it's going to be very curated what Corey said but i think it's a good strategy it'd be interesting but ed's right they're not going to play games like gears and all and forza they don't care they, they want their games they want them handheld so microsoft needs to find a happy medium here and they need to do it right or else that's even more of a they're getting kicked further and further out at that point if they if they mess it up all right, hey, Corey, you got something to say, and then Jacob will finish. Yeah, out. there, there, there was a rumor for a while, and I think it's been debunked at this point. But Microsoft, there was a rumor that Microsoft was going to team up with Sega, and actually publish it as a Sega Xbox in Japan to try to create more appeal for their box. Uh, that was that was a rumor floating around before the series consoles came out. Uh, so. All right, Jacob, take us home here on this issue. What do you what do you think? Good idea, bad idea? How would this work out for Microsoft? Um, I think it would be a good idea for Microsoft. I think that I think that saying that saying that there people in Japan aren't going to play or people in the East aren't going to play these games because they don't ever play these games. They don't ever play them because those consoles aren't popular. But if you put them on a console that's popular, why not? You know, like mm-hmm. I, we buy we talk about games that we buy all the time that were five bucks on sale. And we never would have bought it otherwise. But mm-hmm. hey, it's cheap. Why not give it a try? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, do, I think that they could do that. However, you, oh, well, we got to get Jacob as the last word. Ed. No, okay. no, 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 no. Jacob's going okay, to okay. Well, so what I was going to say is, however, I, I am really adamant that Microsoft and Nintendo are never going to come to an agreement on mm-hmm. getting Xbox Game, uh, Xbox Game Pass on the, any Nintendo console. I'm, I'm I think that... I think that that so there are games that you can buy on Nintendo Switch from Nintendo that are on Game Pass, and I think that that cannibalizes their sales from not within their own company, mm-hmm. um, and they don't want to do that. They want every, they want to make every penny they can off of you. Yeah, both companies do, and mm-hmm. so I think the most that we'll see is stuff like Ori. We'll see. <laughs> well, I we might even see some of the smaller AAA titles come. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, but I don't think we will ever see Game Pass on the Switch. Where's the rare? All right. No, we got we got to keep it moving, Ed. We got we got one more story. Nope, nope, nope. You're done. Ed, I want to hear I want to hear you write about it in Boss Rush Band. That's right. Ed, you can write editorial. Next story: Nintendo wins 2.1 million in a lawsuit against a ROM site. This is from NintendoEverything.com. Thank you, Brian, from Nintendo Everything. You may recall that back in 2019, Nintendo filed a lawsuit against ROM website ROM Universe. The case has now concluded with a judge ruling in the company's favor. Nintendo said that the situation involving ROM Universe was, quote, a straightforward video game privacy case. The company explained that over a decade, the site was populated with pirated copies of thousands of different Nintendo games and distributed hundreds of thousands of copies of those pirated games. ROM Universe also sold premium accounts, allowing users to download an unlimited amount of titles. Matthew Storman, who hosted the website, 
defended himself in court and denied that ROM Universe provided pirated ROMs. He also said that he himself never uploaded any games. U.S. District Court Judge Consuelo Marshall settled the matter by largely siding with Nintendo and accepting trademark infringement claims. All right, panel, uh, are people going to finally stop pirating Nintendo IPs? Does this award of $2.1 million do anything to change people's behaviors? Other reactions to the story? Nick, we'll start with you as our computer guy. What do you think? No, this isn't going to stop anything. No one. Yeah, you may have hit one guy, but that one guy spawns 10 other guys. Those 10 guys spawn 20. That 20 eventually becomes 100, 100 becomes 1,000. Websites like that get archived. The code and everything there is there. You can you can swipe it and make your own site and upload and do and, and whatever you need to do. Torrenting is never going to die. And people like it, it's it's a Robin Hood thing too for companies like Nintendo. I, I I don't know many people who would steal indies because of that. Like I don't I, I don't I'm not I'm not condoning this either. But stealing from Nintendo. I'm sure it gives people like that, ooh, I got Breath of the Wild on my PC. Insanity. I, I, I got Breath of the Wild and I ported it on my Xbox and played with an Xbox controller. That's all. I've seen it. So why would you right. not do it? And th this lawsuit does nothing. It's not going to change anything. This guy is in some hot water. It sucks to yeah. be you. Also, why the hell would you defend yourself? Yeah, right. <laughs> it, it doesn't suck to be him. I, I I'm gonna say this as myself and not as a someone from Bosphorus, but dude, that guy's an idiot. No, he's like, a moron. Who? Exactly. No, <laughs> my thing is, it sucks to suck. Yeah. You suck, dude. So, <laughs> like, like, all right, uh, Jacob, tell us more what you think. Uh, no, yeah, no, no one's gonna. Uh, Get this out of the way that everyone on here will tell you that we don't condone we don't condone this at all. Don't pirate games. That's it's illegal. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, but it's not going to stop the Metroid Metroid. Another Metroid Two remake got taken down by Nintendo, and that they they can't do anything about it. You can still you can still download it today. It, and then got taken down. They did this. They took it down, and you can still download it. Just like what Nick said. As soon as somebody else has it, it's gone. You you have no control anymore. Wildfire. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do think that it will make some of the other sites out there rethink their subscriptions and rethink their paid memberships and rethink those things, uh, things that could get them into financial legal trouble. But um, it no, it's not going away at all. But they, yeah, this guy, man, I heard about this and I just started laughing because like, number one, no matter what you're doing, don't represent yourself in court. That's the, that's rule <laughs> number <Nintendo>. one. <laughs> like, yeah, and against and, and against a multi-million dollar company. No, absolutely not. And number two, it, it was like he talked about how like, well, I never personally did any. I didn't ever upload anything onto the site. Yeah, but you hosted it. Yeah, that'd be right. like saying that'd be like saying your friends went out and robbed a bank and then you put the money in your account, but you didn't steal it. I didn't right. steal the money. Yeah, no, that's so stupid. This guy's such a moron. <laughs> He's an All right, Ed, we cut you off last time, so I, I know you have a lot to say about this as something comes up a lot. Ed, what's your take on all this? Nintendo, get your coins. <laughs> get oh, your money. God, get They're not your... gonna see a dime, Ed. This guy doesn't have two point one million dollars. The crazy thing because with the court case, reading part of it, it sounded like he was contradicting himself at times. I didn't do nothing, but I did upload this to make sure that it was. And then it was just like, you just told the court, you just literally told the judge that you didn't do nothing, but broke down everything that you took part in. So that's just be like, 
weren't going to just award them because you just automatically won, lied. So, so moron. I, like Jacob said, do not represent yourself if you ain't been to law school or anything. <laughs> not read the law, but not even watch the legal ego on YouTube. Like, <laughs> don't, just don't do not do that. Second of all, do not pirate your games. If you if you want a good representation of something like this, there's a people there's a people's court episode where oh, a guy God. had modified a week and they went to court about this. It's on YouTube. Watch it. You will be surprised of this. Um, yeah, I, th- he is just a nut, a dumb dumb. This this don't even get a good googly moogly gas. <laughs> he is just a complete dumb dumb. He's a he. Don't do this stuff. Everybody, just go and buy the games when they first come out. Buy it digitally. Support these developers and call it a day. Own own it. Yes, you are paying for the license, and they have the right to revoke that license at any time. That's the gamble of video games. But you, if they, that's why physical is always important. Just go buy the physical version if you can, and keep it on your system. Do not do stuff like this. And if you really, if you really, really care about having Breath of the Wild on your PC, learn learn about coding. Learn how to do it yourself because it's not illegal. If you go out and purchase the game, it is not illegal to make as many copies as you want for yourself on yep. any system you want to make it on. You can do whatever you want for yourself, as long as you don't do it for others or sell it to anybody. That that they will never be able to come after you. That teach yourself a new skill, then get a job, and then you can make your own game company. That'll get pirated. Like, yeah, then you'll be the you, one going. Ah, again. You mentioned uh the Metroid Two remake. Um, Milton that we talked about World One One. He went to the uh he went to Moon Studio and helped make Ori the Blind Forest One and Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can do something. And plus, yes, it did get taken down, but we got Seven Speed Turn instead. So. Well, and then again, learning learning to do this yourself. Companies pay people pay hackers all the time to break their product. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. it Nintendo is did it with the 3DS. Yeah. 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 yeah, like so. Don't don't be lazy. If you're gonna put in the work to do something illegal, do it yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bug hunt, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Corey, uh, Nick mentioned this whole Robin Hood perspective a, a little bit and the the glee or the joy that comes from sort of stealing from big companies. We've talked in the past about Nintendo having a little bit of this uh, party pooper mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, does this court case kind of reinforce that a little bit for Nintendo? Do they come out looking ugly in this? What I th- think the, the thing that everybody always uses as a defense in downloading old Nintendo games is preservation, right? But it's still wrong, right? Like, I mean, Nintendo has the ability to turn around and sell you the same game 65 times, right? And I think, I don't know why they're not doing it on the Switch with Nintendo 64 and GameCube games, right? But they could. Um, I, I want to hook up my GameCube so bad and play some of those games, but I have I have to buy a new converter. I have to buy new component or composite cables. I need to get an HDMI switcher, right, and make sure that the lag isn't bad. There's all these really tough things, but then Nintendo turns around and shows you that, oh, we remade Wind Waker. It's great. Here you go. It's on Wii U, which they put on Switch. But, like, you can play it on a relatively modern console. 
Twilight Princess, you can do. Uh, you know, I GameCube. Th- there's so many great games stuck on the GameCube that like people have been adding to the Dolphin emulator for so long that you're not going to get any better than that now. And it's like, okay, I get it. These people put a lot of hard work into this, but it's still illegal, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I wish Nintendo would look at this and see how much people want their products and just say, we're working on it. They have the ability to do it. They just did it with Mario Sunshine, right? They just did it with Mario Sunshine and Mario 64. Their emulation technology is there. So, I I mean, look at the virtual console on the Wii and the Wii U, right? Like, N64 is there. Heck, they did DS games on the Wii U. DS games. Hmm. That's a terrible DS way to play games. Phantom Hourglass, by the way. So, <laughs> no, May I but, say, I do not condone stealing. Yeah, <laughs> no. Saying. I Yeah, I don't... None of us condone stealing or, you know, downloading ROMs or anything. But I do see where people are saying, hey, we need to preserve these old games because Nintendo isn't. It's not that Nintendo isn't. Right. It's they're waiting They're for opening the... up a museum. Yeah. Like... Belongs in a museum. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. It's I just, indie. I feel like, I feel like Nintendo is waiting for the right time to make this a big marketing moment of them to release these older games. You know? I mean, look at Skyward Sword, right? We're finally getting... Right non-motion controlled Wii games you know Um, and I think that that is a step in the right direction I don't know if that's the direction they're going but that is a a step in the right direction I think and so I don't know this guy's a moron though absolutely i don't even know if it's that they're waiting for the right marketing moment it's just that they're making so much money right now and they know that they could make more off of this that Mm -hmm. they're just like well let's wait till we bomb again and then we'll do this and we'll be okay yeah like they have a back it's like a plan yeah yeah well thank you panel that was great discussion and that is the end of our family news so ed we're back to you okay paging dr david paging dr jacob (laughs) paging dr Corey, paging dr nick Please come to the Dogmo area to meet Dr. Ed. None of in us this are Dogmo, No medical advice in, given. <laughs> in this Dogmo, we are dissecting Nintendo's very own Direct. What makes it a Direct? Has it become one of, the, one of gaming's best strategies to deliver news? What does the future hold for it? How has it changed E3? What kind of Direct would each of us create? Yes, that is a lot of questions, but and we're going to tackle them. Uh, we are going to be talking about the Nintendo Direct itself. And uh, just a little history for you guys that the first Nintendo Direct premiered on October 21st, 2011. The 7-minute and 28-second video focused on mainly the 3DS uh, and some other stuff for Wii. They announced that Hulu Plus was coming to Wii and uh, 3DS, Freaky Force, Pushmo, Dylan's Running Western, and Swap Note were games published by Nintendo. They also showed off Pokemon Rumble Blast, Super Mario 3D Land, Mario Kart 7, The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, The Legend of Zelda Symphony started that day at the Pantage Theater in Los Angeles. And at that time, Reggie fils hosted it. Soon, Iwata, Satoru Iwata took over, and we kind of got the means and everything. Um, 2013 was a first digital presentation for E3, and we all tuned in to that one. So, let's get into this, uh, let's get into this discussion about, 
um, the direct. Um, I'm going to start with you, David. Uh, what makes it a direct? You mean like if we're splitting hairs about what counts as a direct and what doesn't? Or like emotionally, what makes it a good direct? What what makes it a Nintendo Direct? Like when you watch it, what things do you notice that makes it direct? What is there something that you get out of it or anything? The like? notification the day before this is a Nintendo Direct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or sometimes <laughs> like at midnight. But, yeah. Exactly. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, we've had this kind of phenomena of indie directs lately, and I know that technically they count as directs for Nintendo, but for me, it has to be when Nintendo actually puts out their own IPs. Like, for me, when we're getting new Mario games, new Zelda games, that's when it it feels like it's a real direct. Um, and just that anticipation of, you know, yeah, we're going to get the DC superhero girls, but, you know, like just knowing that some of those big platinum titles are coming and and wondering what that but wait there's more moments uh those are the things that make a direct special and you know i'll also just point out that it feels like nintendo cuts out the middleman so to speak you know by having these directs that they went straight to fans and i, I know they're essentially still presenting to fans when they do things at e3 and whatnot but it, it feels like it's it's building that relationship directly with Nintendo fans and it feels more intimate in some way. Um, so I, I guess that would have to be my take on it at first brush. All right, Jacob, what makes it a uh, direct? Um, exactly that, that Nintendo put together something to tell you specifically about these group of things. Even, even when it's a specific, even like the Nintendo Mario 35th anniversary direct that was just about Mario, it was about all aspects of the Mario's 35th anniversary. The Mario for some reason there. I'm not sure why that the was that. The Mario. Yeah. Um, Mr. The Mario. Um, <laughs> but like any company and every company does an announcement for a single game. Nintendo still releases announcements that aren't in the direct of trailers for, hey, check out this check out this new game that's coming out or just released or whatever. But a direct is like <clears throat> that longer presentation where you're not getting one thing. And even if you are getting, even if it's focused, you're getting every aspect of that thing. You're not just getting a quick trailer. It's not an announcement. It is, it is, it is the direct. It is the information directly to you, the consumer, from Nintendo. And I think that there there has been a, a there's a there's a there's a level of fun that they put into it with, with how they how they produce it that makes it more important than just an announcement because again it's not just a trailer it's not just a, a group of trailers all back to back to back they crack jokes and they bring personality and that's that's what makes it a direct and the same thing with the with the state of play and with the inside xbox they bring the companies themselves bring personality to these announcements okay Corey, what makes it a direct uh i mean basically you know what they said you know when you when you go into a nintendo direct you're expecting some big things to happen right uh it might not be the biggest thing but for me the last nintendo direct mario golf was the big thing i'm so excited for mario golf it's ridiculous uh and, and you know that they they've had good directs they've had 
bad directs they or well quote unquote bad directs uh you know some are less informative or less popular than others uh but their goal is to give the information directly to the players to the, the fans and i think for the most part especially in the since the switch has come out uh it's it's been on fire you know i mean some of those early ones like when they were still trying to figure it out you can point to a couple that were like okay, this is weird. Maybe they should just go back to a press conference or, you know what I mean? They, they As they were figuring out, but once they started getting not only good at it, but great at it, look how many companies have copied them. Just, that, that speaks to the power of what Nintendo can do. They can sway an entire industry into one way, right? They're not always going to be the most technically savvy company they're not going to always have the greatest uh graphics or the best online or voice chat or whatever right but just the simple fact that they can come out with something like breath of the wild their whole entire direct the one year was breath of the wild their whole tree house was breath of the wild their whole e3 booth was breath of the wild one game how can you how can you not look at the power of what a Nintendo Direct can do when they change the the entire industry with one game. You know? So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 a powerful thing. It's an exciting thing. I wish it was next Tuesday already cuz I am just like, <laughs> oh my god, let's just do it already. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, N- oh. Nintendo is just such a, a a powerful company across the board. It doesn't matter if you love all of their IP. It doesn't matter if you like one single IP. You know, it might be one single game from a single IP, but Nintendo has touched everybody in this hobby, this this in video games, you know. There are no video games without Nintendo. Nick, what makes it a direct? I think it's the intimacy behind the direct. It's Nintendo's ability to really and I mean they started it, right? This is like their thing. This is their baby they started. And what Corey said, which is what I was going to bring up for the next question for strategy, but you, Sony and Microsoft and other other gaming companies have done the exact same thing but repackaged it, right? Um, the directs are always very like informative or like funny and just fun to watch. It really feels like Nintendo is in your living room with you during a Nintendo Direct. It feels like they are sitting there going, this is what we've been working on. This is what we've been, we've been wanting to show you. Even if it's not what you wanted to see at that point in time, you're still excited because you could see how excited they are announcing these titles or this hardware or merchandise or anything Nintendo's doing during a Direct. It, it, it's always felt... Um, genuine it's always felt intimate like again like you're there with them and they're just get they're bringing you into their world and that's why i think that's what makes direct for me and that's why i think the direct was important and i'm glad nintendo started doing them yes jacob real quick nick you are a pc guy yes do you have an mmo of choice i used to play (laughs) i used to play guild wars okay so i i played a ton of wow back in the day no. Um, I equate directs. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I kind of equate directs a little bit to like what, how I would feel when I, uh, when they would release patch notes. Yes. 
where it's like it you got to see direct directly into what they were doing to your game to your thing to your class whatever and it it gave like you said it gave a lot more intimacy to it all because it wasn't just like hey it's out figure it out for yourself it was right. like here's what we've done and this is what we want you to know and this is what we think is important and you take that information and go with do what you need to do with it exactly and so i was just wondering if you felt if you felt similar to that because i i kind of get the same feeling with with directs is that it's like it's it's like you said it's very intimate it's the same energy for sure yeah yeah for me it's like it's tight and it's focused like they you know they got a list of games that they're going to show you and yeah sometimes they got shadow drops they got surprises it's going to be fun uh, and engaging but it also helps you recognize who these companies and developers are and what they're actually making they're not hiding about cg they're not hiding the product they're showing you what you're actually going to get and they they're going to do uh you know quirky statements and stuff like that or help you create memes and stuff like you guys said engaging fun directly to the person uh but it's always a light light and when they need to make it mature and dark and stuff they they fully present it all in the right way uh and everything so um yes let's move on to the next one is this the best strategy that nintendo has done and actually for gaming in general uh nick so I think it's it's one of the best, right? I, th- I think E3 in general is the best strategy and the best place to showcase what you're doing. I, I stand firm on that. Big conferences, in my opinion, are the best way to show off your biggest titles. But obviously Nintendo did something right and they struck oil because Ubisoft does it. Uh, Sony does it. EA is now doing it. Uh, Microsoft is doing it. So they created an entire way to show things off with directs. You could you could call them the other ones whatever you want. It's a direct. Mm-hmm. You may as well say the Sony direct, the Microsoft direct, Ubisoft direct. This is one of the best strategies they've that any company has done. But again, I will say for bigger titles like Breath of the Wild 2, I don't think them showing it off at a smaller direct would be good. Mm-hmm. Them showing it off at a huge direct, such as E3, because obviously this is a bigger version of direct, in my opinion. This would be the perfect place to do it. A smaller one that comes out in like, let's say February. That wouldn't. I I would feel that that all that would almost be like. So do you care about this at all? Because you are just kind of throwing it out there to the world. But Nintendo is a wild card, so you don't know. You never know what they're <laughs> going to do. So yeah, it's one of the best strategies I think. David, do you think this is one of the best gaming strategies in the gaming industry? I do. I mean, I think the, you know, imitation being the highest form of flattery, as the saying goes. I mean, the fact that PlayStation's done it, I think that that speaks for itself. I I will say, though, that um, companies like Sony, who have done it instead of going to E3, I think that's a mistake. Uh, so I, I think it works for Nintendo because they do it multiple times a year and they're still attending E3. I can't for the life of me, and I know this is not quite what your question is asking, but I can't for the life of me understand why Sony wouldn't take the free advertising to be a part of E3 and have people talk about your products. You know, And I like that Nintendo does both. And so I, I would say a qualified yes, it's great that Nintendo does directs, but only because they also do the big conferences. Corey, do you think this is one of gaming's best strategies? I mean, it's my favorite way to consume 
things, right? Like, I feel like it's very, no pun intended, but directed, right? Like, you, you look at some of these stage shows where their demos are, like, their demos are bad, right? We just talked about the Skyward Sword demo, right? Like, some you, there's a lot of pressure on some of these devs who maybe aren't the best personalities to have on stage, right? They're not very personable. Maybe they don't have a great personality. Not saying that all of them are like that, but, you know, you get those people out there and then you see demos, right? The infamous one for Uncharted 4, right? Where they had to restart the demo to make sure it worked on stage, right? Live. Um, so I think the direct is the best way to get the best out of everything that you have to show uh, without, you know, it having a chance of failing or, you know, somebody slipping up talking or whatever like i it's a nice clean way to distribute your information without anything happening jacob what about you yeah i um i i think it is the best strategy because it it not only is it just it's as we've all already mentioned and i'm going to echo it's it's very intimate it's very it's very we keep saying it because it's the perfect name for a thing like this but it's very direct it it allows the it allows everyone to get excited stealth on twitter talks about all the time about how like nintendo a nintendo direct announcement is like a christmas morning Mm -hmm. like everyone's very excited (laughs) about it everyone's talking about it um but then more importantly it's a good strategy because like with this most recent i think the most recent direct that we had where aonuma came out and said i know you want to hear about breath of the wild 2 but we don't have anything to say right now but we're saying it later. It allows them to take the time to say, we know what you want. We're not ready to share it yet, but we promise we're listening. And that's that again, that gets back into those same things that were, that we've uh, reiterated and echoed and talked about. But that, that alone gives them the freedom to announce things on their schedule. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, and it gets the hype train rolling for the community because it's like, oh, they didn't say anything this time, but they're saying it soon. Like, when is that one coming? Like, the moment it ends, you're already looking forward to the next one. So, it what? Yes, I agree with everybody today. I think this is one of the best strategies for gaming um, because Nintendo is is able to showcase various games for different people. So if there's something that you didn't like at one point of the show, there's something there that you might end up liking next and everything. And plus, it's easy and accessible for people to just watch in. You know, it helps with the conversations. People could, you know. Like we've been as podcast creators, we are able to predict uh, Nintendo uh, direct and it continues to happen that through all the year we get hype and we actually, you know, can create what what's possibilities that they may have for it. So. um, So, yeah, I think it is one of uh, like the best thing for. one of the best strategies uh david uh what does the future hold for it for a nintendo direct well it it seems like over this last year and you guys can correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like the indie direct has really morphed into its own thing and Mm -hmm. i i wonder you know we've also had a mario 35 direct there's rumors of a zelda direct if we ever get that I, I just wonder how many variations Nintendo can do of this successful format. You know, we have a family of Switches. Maybe we'll have a family of Directs, right? Mm-hmm. That they have different kinds to target, very sub-category 
audiences. So I mean, that that's my suspicion. Yeah, I mean, we we kind of already see that too, right? Not only with like the indie stuff, but we have like uh, the Nintendo partner showcases, right? Or the Pokemon uh, presents directs and stuff. Like we're we're kind of seeing them kind of temper expectations, I guess you would say with with some of these different styles of directs. And I think it's good. I think that is a good way to do it. So, yeah, well, Corey, uh, anything else? Um, no, you know, no, I know. Okay. I know we kind of need to move on. We have, we have been running kind of long. <laughs> so, okay. um, uh, Nick, your thoughts. Yeah, I think, uh, the next big thing for them to do kind of hit same vein is tiers. You could do a tier of directs, right? Like, it'd be in its own family category, but it's a tier. So you could have, like, indie directs, and then, which, like, they do, and then, say you did want to, say they did want to do Breath of the Wild during a direct that's not an E3. Well, if they do it, and it's successful, that becomes its own thing. They don't need E3 at that point. Because mm-hmm. they wouldn't. They, they, they would not need E3 at that point. If they do a direct, and they're going, hey, we didn't show this off at E3, we waited to do, do this a separate date, our own direct, our own money, everything. Boom, here it is. And it's successful, which it has no choice but to be successful. They would go, okay, cool. Do we need to still stick around E3? Look at Sony. Was it a very brutish bull run move? Yeah, but it's working for Sony. So Nintendo might be seeing that going, okay, they took the direct, but it's working for them not being at E3. If we do this outside of E3, which they have done direct smaller on smaller scales, they do a huge scale direct outside of E3 and it works again. It will. They may end up going. We're just gonna do our own conference from now on, all Nintendo based conference. What about you, Jacob? Yeah, no, I was gonna say. So the similar to what Nick said, the the idea of them bringing back a digital version of the Tokyo Game Show or Space World, which was mm-hmm. basically just Nintendo's thing, um, that that would mean that they could make their own E3, and they could even still go to E3 and make E3, they're like, oh, well, this is much smaller, because you've got Nintendo whatever to look forward to in the future. Like, they, they could still have that marketing there if they wanted it, or they could skip out from time to time. But they... They and I, I believe all three companies have the ability to put together their own shows. I think that E3 is special because it brings them all together so that it's a week of gaming news for everybody. Like, you know, it's very rare to have people that are just one thing, um, especially nowadays. But it, yeah, I think I think that would be the direction that it would have to go in the future is for them to just say, we're going to have our own, maybe make it a three, like, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing where they do the treehouse, where they do like they do at E3, where they have a an hour long or two hour long direct that is the start to this show. And then it's nothing but treehouse for 48 hours, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. don't tease me uh, like that, Jacob. Oh, dude, <laughs> I'd love that. I know done, for me. Uh, uh, for me quickly it's, it's just that giving these indie developers time you know we get to see the people who create them and you know we never got to see all the indie developers who've been making some of these uh, great indie games so changing that in the future treating them like they're almost like third party also like or like a Nintendo like a big product it's good to see that that is happening with that and I can see more of that happening in the future um has it changed E3? Um, to me personally, yes. 
It's changed E3 because they, it allowed them to be creative. We got like the robot chicken kind of E3 press conference. We got the uh, the Muppet stuff. You know, we got different kinds for them to be creative to bring in E3 uh, E3 presentation. Uh, Corey, what about you? I mean, yeah, it's it's changed E3 forever, right? Like so many companies have got. I mean, Sony's left E3 to do their state of plays, right? I mean, that's a huge blow. So. Yeah, I mean, the short answer is yes, it has. Uh, what about you, Jacob? Yeah, no, yeah, it, it, it's short and sweet. It absolutely has changed E3, and I, I think E3 has been trying to recover from from this shift in, in the industry for a while now. What about you, David? Yeah, it's unfortunate. I, I, I just, I still don't, I... I as much as I love the directs, as much as I love companies like Sony doing their state of play, I, I, I think it's too bad for the gamer because uh, it feels like a holiday when we get to E3. I mean, it feels like the holiday season in gamer world. And, I, you know, I'll be covering it this year. I got my, my first press pass to, to cover E3. And yeah. I, I've just set aside four days to be at my computer. And I can't wait. I'm so yeah. excited. And it's just the idea that companies would remove themselves from this very celebratory experience i think is a mistake mm-hmm. it's i think i think e3 needs to shift uh, yeah. into a more of like a celebration type thing instead of mm-hmm. you know i mean it started as a trade show where the internet didn't exist right or it was very mm-hmm. limited in what you could do with the internet now with youtube and twitch and and all these other different ways you can distribute uh, uh your content and and get business deals and whatever right like it only takes a phone call or a, or a zoom chat or you know you fly across the country for a day and a half or something to meet with a publisher it's like in digital distribution too right like <clears throat> it used to be we need to sell uh we need to put our game boxes in toys r us right so we need to have the e3 press conference to convince toys r us to let us sell our product in their store right now it's like well digital distribution has changed everything uh Everything has just changed so much that like E3 needs to learn how to shift with the times and be more celebratory instead of more mm-hmm. we're a trade show type thing. So okay. also shout out to G4 Tech TV. I I loved watching E3 on there. They're yeah. back too. I know, I know. I, I saw that and followed them on Twitter again. I was like, yes, I'm so glad. <laughs> nice. What about you, Nick? Without a doubt, it's changed E3, and it's. A little for the better, a little for the worse. So now, mom, dad, and mom. One one of the moms divorced dad and mom. So that sucks. Sony is gone, right? <laughs> but hopefully, with how things are going for E3 and e- people are more getting more and more excited, it's 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 cool to be a nerd now, man. It's mm-hmm. cool to be a dork and a geek. People are more excited man, for E3 now. Was this fifteen years ago when I was in school? <laughs> <laughs> I have not a clue. That's why I had to get tattoos so people would leave me alone. Um, <laughs> It, it, it's it's cool though now, man. So I'm really thinking Sony is gonna go. Well, crap. We need to kind of let's go back. Will you please take us back, right? But mm-hmm. what could Nintendo do? They had to create something, and they did. And it, people followed suit, and they took that idea and ran with it. So yeah, it's changed V3. All right, our final question: How would you make your own Nintendo Direct, oh, gosh. Jacob? 
So I, I think I missed I think I missed the E3 predictions episode. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know if we did one of those. But uh, I would make a Nintendo Direct focused entirely on uh, my brand new game, Kid Icarus Bloodborne Souls, Dark Souls style. <laughs> um, I've, I've ranted Souls. about that needing Icarus Souls. I've ranted about that needing to be a thing um, ever since my first time on Pal Block, and I want it to be a thing. So please. Uh, look forward to my direct where I announce that game and everyone loves it. Jacob, anyway, would you would I, you would you play a we? Uh, gosh, this was probably like four or five years ago when Hyrule Warriors first was announced on the Wii U. We were like, yeah. well, what other genres could Zelda merge into? Would you play a Hyrule Souls? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I just think Kid Icarus fits. I think Kid Icarus has been gone for so long, um, and it fits the bill for yeah. that like dark style. But absolutely, I'd play, I'd play. I'd play a Mario Souls man. Watch watch Mario go berserk on on <laughs> with the fireball flower on somebody. That'd be great. But no, yeah, Kid Icarus, Dark Souls, Bloodborne. I All right, would, great. That's what it, Corey, that's what it is. What Corey? How would you make your Nintendo Direct? I would make it as long as possible with as many announcements as I could possibly fit in it and say goodbye. <laughs> what? I don't know. David, I wasn't prepared how, for this question. Uh, David, how would you make your own Nintendo Direct? Well, I want nostalgic celebrity appearances. So give me the voice of Mario uh, to come announce the new Mario Odyssey 2 game. I want the voice actor from the Excuse Me Princess 1989 Zelda uh, cartoon to announce a new Zelda game, right? Like, it would just be fun. Like, I want Nintendo to laugh at itself a little bit, but also have these, you know, because Nintendo has this cultural cachet that it can totally leverage. Like, make it this fun event that's about more than just the games, but about the culture. I need John Could Leguizamo you... to voice Luigi in the next Thank Mario you. Yeah. This close saying that. <laughs> Could you imagine if Nintendo came out for E3 and was like, guys, for Breath of the Wild 2, we gave Link a voice, and it was it went to black, and it was just, excuse me, princess. Uh, would, uh, <laughs> it would be legendary. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> but if they did that as a prank, come on. Yeah, that would, that would be, be like, one of the really... greatest all-time moments yeah. at E3. Nick, how would you make a Nintendo Direct? I would go to Seattle, get Gabe Newell. Well, I'd have to go to New Zealand. I'd get Gabe Newell in a cage. I'd have to get a big cage, but I'd get him in a cage, throw him on stage, and say, you will announce Half-Life and Portal on a Switch right now. Oh, my God. Other than that, I wouldn't change a damn thing. Nintendo Directs are great. I love it. Uh, they, They tend to hit every aspect I ever want them to hit, and I wouldn't have to change a thing except for Portal and Half Life on a Switch because that would be insane. Orange box for the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, I can't believe that hasn't happened. TF2 on a Switch, like that would be fun. Like you would bring an entire new audience mm-hmm. into those games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so me, for me, I'll have like desserts introducing games like oh, cookies God, of course or cakes and stuff. And then uh, part of it, I, uh, from all the music for the games, I would have a soundtrack that people could buy if they want to for those Thank games. You, uh, yeah, you know. Great idea. And then at the end of it, of course, do a big reveal, but also be like, hey, if you want to learn more or, you know, of course, do the Treehouse Life thing, but be like, hey, check out uh, Ask Direct 
for the Japanese version of it and check out more games that's not that wasn't in the direct and put it out there and then be like if you guys want all of these uh sweets that you've seen go to nintendo.com and check out our recipe our snack tender recipe for all, for all things snacks so Thank you, Dr. Corey. Thank you, Dr. David. Thank you, Dr. Nick. Thank you, Dr. Jacob, for this Docmo session. Now we're going to get into playing with power. David, what have you been playing with power? Oh, man, I've got some great stuff that I've mixed in. I'm still grinding away at Xenoblade Chronicles. Dan tells me I'm almost to the end of the game, and I'm loving that. Uh, But I started playing Triforce Heroes since I was on the show last, and it's just phenomenal. It's rocketing up my list of best Zelda ever, and I take back every horrible thing I ever said about Triforce (laughs) Heroes. There you go. I'm I'm concerned about you, David. (laughs) It's so good. I love it. You know, it's got everything that I love about Zelda, the puzzling, you know, the, the multiple ways to solve a problem, but in level format. So if I have a quick break from work, I can knock out a quick level on Triforce Heroes and come right back to work. So I love it. I also um, had to get a new phone this weekend. So uh, I, I was lucky enough to get uh, a free iPhone, which was great. And it came with a year of Apple TV and Apple Arcade. So um, I am not a mobile gamer. I normally detest anything mobile gaming. And so I kind of just thought I'd try some stuff out. So I, I <laughs> played Sayonara Wild Hearts, I think is, is yeah. the name. Yeah. Uh, which I believe also is, is on Switch mm-hmm. as well now. It is. Yeah. Indeed. Um, you know, it, it's all right. It, I, I'm still not sold on mobile gaming, but I'm I'm gonna give it like a good three month try here. So you, sir, have Are not gonna... played Disney Emoji Blitz. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna play the Platinum Game one? Uh, I cannot think of the name of it. Uh, no one I know can they because have... it's on Apple Arcade. <laughs> David, you I'm... need to play. Right, he said play... he has Apple Apple Arcade. I know yeah, it was Arcade. a it was a joke, Ed. Oh, <laughs> you need to play. You need to play Grindstone. Okay. Grindstone is a great mobile game. It's also on Switch, but it works really, really well on mobile. And you also need to play... I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on Oceanhorn. Yeah. It's like a... a it's a top-down Zelda clone. clone. Yeah. Inspired by Zelda. Yeah. There's all, the yeah. second okay. one's also on, on Apple Arcade, too. So check it out. It's it's yes. thirty. The second one's $30 on Switch, but it's on Apple Arcade. So Okay. Well, Corey, what have you been playing with Power? Oh, boy. Um, So I've been going through Mario 3D World and actually trying to 100% each of the eight main worlds. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do the super hard you suck mode uh, at the end, (laughs) but I am trying to do the eight main worlds and then I'm going to move on to Bowser's Fury. Mario 3D World is the most amazing Mario game ever made. Yes. It's the best Mario Mm -hmm. game. I don't care what anybody says. It's better than Mario World. It's better than Mario 3. It's better than um, well, yeah, it's 3D World. I know. So, uh, <laughs> Literally both of them. I know. Combined. Uh, I've been... I So I've been... Go, so what I've been trying to do is like move back into the Nintendo space, which is where I feel like I'm most comfortable uh, a lot more. And I've kind of been neglecting my other consoles, which is fine with me. Uh, but I've been... I re-downloaded Starlink, which was that Ubisoft uh, collaboration, and they did this whole Star Fox storyline. That game is really good. Um, I, I ha- The deluxe edition is on sale all the time for like 15 bucks 
comes with all the weapons and all the ships and stuff. But like the Star Fox storyline is exclusive to the Switch, obviously, and it's like it's the best Star Fox game since '64. I'm telling you, man, it is so good. Um, so I would recommend that to anybody who's itching to play Star Fox. Uh, it's it's really good. Uh, I play a little bit of Wolfenstein 2 again. Uh, I kind of want to finish that up. It's uh, it's it's an interesting port to the Switch, and I have no idea how it runs. Um, but obviously, people a lot smarter than me made it happen. Uh, and then I I have been toying with the idea again of restarting Breath of the Wild and going through and playing that game again because of 2 coming out soon. So... Uh, I, I dabbled in that yesterday. I actually jumped into master mode because I don't want to erase my save file yet because it has all the Korok seeds and all <laughs> the dungeons and all the shrines. Um, but man, dude, breath of the wild is so good. Yep. It is so good. Right. I, I just found myself running around and just picking up stuff and setting things on fire and, using the wolf amiibo to kill things for me because it's way too hard on master mode. <laughs> it is so good. I cannot get over how good Breath of the Wild is. Sorry. And that, that I'll wrap it up there. So that's what I've been playing. All right. Jacob, what have you been playing with Power? Uh, uh, go Nick before me because I've been gone for a month and I've got a lot to talk about. Okay. Nick, uh, what do you have been playing with Power? And yes, you can add PC. All right. So I've been playing... Again and again, Half-Life 2. I've gone back into Black Mesa this month. Um, I played a little bit of Doom Eternal again, just because uh, I just I, I always hop back into Doom games, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried Days Gone. It's cool. It's all right. <laughs> it's, all, it's all right. And then I tried Biomutant, and uh, that game felt empty. So I just started playing my old go-tos, which is Half-Life and Doom. You put Biomutant on hold. I know the patch came out, so I gotta see. I, I'm waiting until they add more to it. It feels like a huge, beautiful world full of nothing, and I mm. everything you need to know, or the, everything that happens in the first like hour of the game is like all you need, I supposedly is what I've heard, but I got very sick of it very fast. I was like, this sucks. And it's just unfortunate, because it could be, and should be this beautiful thing, and it just wasn't. Okay. Jacob, what have you been playing with Power? Yeah, so I started um, to play Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney on stream. I'm doing all the voice acting for that game, so it's been a lot of fun because there's a lot of female characters and everyone's just very crazy and weird. Um, So I've been playing through that. Give us your best Uh, female character voice. uh, Okay, hold on. Oh, Nick! Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, buddy. Ace, Ace Phoenix is called Nick by uh by the main character, so that was the best I could do. Um, and so yeah, she talks a lot. Uh, there's also a very old lady that that sounds like this. Um, Cutie guard. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so I've been doing that. I got the itch to play. I play my favorite game of all time, uh, Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening. So I got yes. the itch to play that again. So I'm running through that on the Switch. I've been continuing to work on getting Breath of the Wild, a file on Breath of the Wild, to 100% for like the third time now. Um, that I do that kind of in between. I still play 
Monster Hunter regularly. My community, uh, the Otter Kingdom, has got me playing a lot of Mario Kart and Among Us and Mario Tennis. I just played through the adventure mode of Mario Tennis. While I was out with Bronchitis, I had uh, they had the Dragon Quest uh, anniversary announcements. And so I was like, oh, man, I'm back in the Dragon Quest mood. So I, I played through and beat Dragon Quest 1 in one day. And then I started Dragon Quest 2. Um, on the switch i've been playing oh i got into a castlevania mood and so now i'm playing bloodstained curse of the moon i started messing around and grinding out character levels in hyrule warriors age of calamity because of the new update uh i picked up final fantasy 7 and i've started playing through that again i almost beat untitled goose game I started a new game called Mana Spark, which is a really cute little rogue crawling indie game uh, about um, you, the the entire world has like has has magic except for the human race, and so they're considered slaves. Uh, yeah, I've I've been I've been all over the place in gaming lately. I feel a lot like Ed, and it's been a lot of fun. I've I like I haven't I've beaten a lot of smaller stuff, but like I've just been each inching away at, at a bunch of different games little by little every day. All right. Well, I'm going to run quickly because we're at the end of the show. Um, still playing Binary Star Infinity at level eight. Uh, started up Femicon Detective Club, The Missing Air, getting through that game. Um, there's 11, 11 chapters, and I think I'm only on chapter two at this moment. Um, started up World's End Club. This is from the people who made Dangarampa and um, the other mystery game. Uh, so I'm playing that. Uh, and last but not least, been playing Cross Code, getting further into that game. Um, I haven't progressed through the story because I'm doing like six different uh, side quests in the game. <laughs> so uh, definitely enjoying that. And of course, playing uh, Super C for my uh, Contra 2 run and Metroid because I haven't been in that game. But that's what I've been playing with Power. Thank you, everybody, for watching Nintendo Power Block. Um, you know, like everybody said, is E3. We are getting ready to uh, do a lot of uh, recording, a lot of discussion, watching, snacking, definitely a lot of writing from the writing team. So you guys want to check that out at BushwitchGames.com. Uh, but we're going to get quickly into some plugs. Uh, Corey, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at I am CoreyNHD on Twitter. You can find me hosting the Boss Rush podcast and, uh, you know, David, I want to take this chance to tell you that I really appreciate everything you're doing with the website. I don't yeah. really get to see you in person all that often, especially the last few weeks, but uh, it's amazing. So, yeah. Thank you, Corey. That's awesome. Uh, David, where can we find you? Well, like Corey said, you can find me at bossrushgames.com uh, where I do work editing and organizing content. Uh, and occasionally writing when I get a chance. I also write for ZeldaDungeon.net um, and a little bit of work here and there at TheMighty.com. I also did want to give out a quick shout out. You know, we are growing as a writing team and we still are bringing folks on to join all that's happening here at BossRushGames.com. So if you're interested, uh, you love video games, you, you're interested in doing some writing about them you can email us at opportunities at brg at gmail.com that's opportunities at at brg.com at, at gmail.com uh, uh, uh jacob where can we find you 
You can find me everywhere on the internet at Galatrad, G-A-L-U-T-R-A-D. I've started getting my Instagram back up and running, and I'm going to be posting some cool Nintendo-related content there. And also follow me on Twitter, because I I talk mostly on there, and I'll announce when all the other things that I do on there. So I followed you. You did follow me. I said, I've gotten a, a weird <laughs> rush of people following me once I started doing stuff on Instagram again. It was very strange. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Nick, where can we find you in your podcast? Yep, you can find me at flies.ngs on Twitter. Uh, I think it's flies.avi on Instagram. You can find the WASD and Beyond podcast on Twitter and Instagram at beyondwasd. And our show is every Wednesday and Friday at 7 a.m. All right. You guys can find me on Twitter at that retro code. You can also check me out on Optional Opinion on SoundCloud and other podcast apps and World One One Podcast at Podbean.com. Follow us on Twitter at Powerblock Podcast. Everybody have a great week. Have a great weekend. And we will see you next time in a couple of weeks, I should say, on Nintendo Powerblock. Bye everybody. Woohoo! For the outtakes, Corey, um, Ed, there's a game that I found on the eShop that I think you might should play because you played the other one that's like it. It's called Hentai vs. Evil. I was about to say. <laughs>